I want to, I want to draw uh, our text tonight from just a couple of uh, quick verses, if I may, just a couple of quick verses. I'd like to go, uh, first of all, let's just begin uh, in 1 and 28 of Genesis, and then we'll move to the second chapter very briefly. Genesis chapter 1 and 28, if you're there, say amen. Man, we're so glad to have all of our guests here tonight. Thank you for being here with us. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. Everybody say, the earth. earth. And subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Chapter number 2. Verse number 8, chapter 2 and verse number 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Now, I'm I'm going to get more involved in this tonight. I'm going to try to keep this... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of taking you to a deep place, but I'm going to try to swim in the shallow end to get there if I can. The, the book of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 are not necessarily to be taken in chronological order. Uh, in other words, there are things that the Lord shows us in the chronological account of creation. And then he further uh, uh, talks about it and expands the thoughts and ideas in the second chapter. And so I want to talk to you tonight from something that's in my heart. I want to preach to you this evening from this thought, if I can, beyond the garden. Amen. Everybody say beyond the garden. God bless you. You may be seated. I want you to understand this evening that God does not act without purpose. I want that to be crystal clear from the beginning tonight. God does not act without purpose. Everything he does, he does with purpose and he does with principle and power and there is motive involved and he is working for the good of something, for somebody, somewhere. God created his heavenly host before the account that we see in creation. He had angels, Elohim, that were created, heavenly celestial beings that were created and they were doing his work in the earth. And in the heavens, uh, what, what there was of the earth, we do know that there was uh, some separation that began to happen. And I, again, I'm going to try to keep this as shallow as I can. I'm not going into all the accounts. But God had these angels to carry out his word and his will. Uh, did he create them because he had a need for that to happen? Absolutely not. Uh, God was perfect in every way. He is not incomplete. He does not have deficiencies. He is not broken There is not a place in the earth or the heavens above that God is not aware of. There's no place in him that's weak. I wish we could understand that. There is no place in him that has weakness at all. There is no weakness in him. But he does things with purpose and he does it in order. You've heard me preach in this church through the years that God uses counsel with angels because they do his bidding. God uses counsel. Why does he do that? Because he can't do it on his own? Absolutely not. God uses that. It's scriptural. Similarly, God did not need humans. God did not need us. God wanted us. He did not need us. He wanted us. 
He had angels that would, that would carry out his orders in the heavenlies. And he has imagers that were created in his image in the earth that hopefully in the plan of God we will carry out the will of God in the earth. He did not need humanity to later reveal that the Messiah had come. But thank God he used humanity. He used Jesus' cousin John the Baptist to prepare the way in the New Testament. He said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. He was preparing the world for the first coming of the Messiah. These were choices that God made. He chose and delighted in creating proxies that would represent Him in the heavens and in the earth. His decisions that He has made with regards to humanity and His plans. He has people and angels that carry that out. And so I, I, I'm making something very clear to you tonight. I hope in the beginning that God did not do things because He needed them. He did things because He wanted them. God created man because He wanted relationship with man. The angels have worshipped him and he wanted a man and a woman in the earth that would choose to worship him. Why did man have free choice? Why did they mess up? Why did they sin? Why did God let evil come in? Because worship will always be a choice. It will always be a choice. And so there is an observation that I would like to make tonight that from the first portion of text is not really uh, apparent until you look a little bit deeper. Somehow it's missed by many, but I'm going somewhere with this, so hang with me if I could take you just a little deeper into the Genesis tonight and tell you that the earth was not Eden, and Eden was not the earth. In other words, the fullness of the earth was not in Eden. Eden was a specific place. It was an important place that God established that he would visit and commune with this creation that he did not need but that he wanted. It is very apparent that although Eden is a very tiny and insignificant seemingly part geographically to the big picture of the earth, it was a special place. That apparently God met with this uh, council of angels and he met with, uh, with his uh, uh, humanity that he had created. It was a tiny plot in the earth. We know it specifically had uh, geographical markers in Genesis the second chapter. And uh, beginning at the eighth verse it said that the Lord God planted the garden eastward. Somebody say eastward. That means it's east of somewhere. All right. He plants a garden eastward. It was geographically a different place than where they were, than where Adam was. And the Bible said that he created man and then he placed him there in the garden that he created. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And here come the geographical markers in verse number 10. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. From thence it was parted and became into, everybody say four. Into four heads. The name of the first, these are specific, was Pison. It is that which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. 
and there's Delium and Onyx Stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon. The same is that that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hiddekel. This is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. Why are you saying this, Pastor? Because this description alone tells us very clearly that the earth was not Eden. There are certainly other descriptions and indicators in the scripture. Uh, according to Genesis 1 and 26 and 27, God made man in his image as his representatives in the new domain of the earth as it were. But in the 28th verse where we began tonight, God blessed that creation. And he said to his creation that he had just created, he said, I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply and I want you to fill the earth. Everybody say the earth. I want you to fill the earth and to subdue the earth. Notice that verse 28 declares to us that the earth needed filling. This does not referred to the garden of Eden. God did not tell them to replenish the garden of Eden. For the garden of Eden that was said to be in the east is the place where God planted the garden. It's the place that God planted the garden. Can I make that clear? It's a beautiful place that God created for his creation and he put them there with everything that they would need. But while in this garden, he spoke to them and he said, I want you to have dominion and replenish and subdue in the earth. What I'm doing in this little garden right here, the blessings that I poured out upon you in this little garden, there is a boundary in this garden. It's established by four different rivers. And on the other side of these rivers, there is an earth beyond this beautiful garden and this is the place where I have met with you and this is the place where my presence has been and this is the place where my angels have dwelt and I am telling you that what I've been doing in this garden I want you to take it beyond the garden and take it to the earth Genesis 2 and 15 tells us that man was there for a reason in the garden. He was there to take the garden that God had planted. And he was to keep it. That's in the 15th verse. The Lord told him, dress it and keep it. But listen, this is not, this is not about dominion. The garden of Eden was not about dominion. It was about dressing and keeping the garden. His job was to take care of the garden, to dress it and keep it. But this is not contradictory to chapter 1 and verse 28, where the Lord said his job was to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. My point to you very simply is that God had put them in a place where they would have everything that they would need to commune with God. 
I cannot imagine what Adam and Eve saw every morning of their life should there have been several days when they would open up their eyes in the cool of the day and they would see the beauty of that garden. But understand me when I tell you that the beauty of that place was not what God intended to be beautiful forever. But there was a boundary beyond that garden and I believe with all of my heart that the will of God was for them to take what he had established in the garden of Eden and to make the rest of the earth like the garden of Eden. In other words, it was not the will of God for them to just be blessed in the garden and the rest of the world to not be blessed. It was the will of God for them to take the communion that he had with them in the garden, in the visitation that he had with them and for them to make the entire earth become like the garden of Eden. But the enemy is very smart. He's very intelligent. He is a serpent and he was more subtle than any other beast of the field. And that's why he came right early in the midst of the garden. He knew the commandment that God had given them to go beyond the garden and go into the earth and replenish the earth and be fruitful and multiply. What I'm saying to you is tonight that the enemy is still doing everything he can to get us to stay in the garden for us to not walk in the dominion of the power of God. He wants us to get so satisfied with the blessings of God and leave the world by itself. The scripture is very plain that Eden and the earth are separate, not as in two different dimensions, but as in a place specifically. Here's where the blessing of God is. And here's the earth that I want you to bless. Listen, he was doing his best to stop global revival. If I could say it like that in a New Testament way. He was doing his best to keep the presence of God from leaving that garden and walking with Adam and Eve. I'm telling you they were blessed. The first thing they heard was that they were blessed. I believe that if if time would have permitted and they would have kept their hearts right with God, that Adam and Eve would have walked out of that garden to Together, and the earth would have begun to begin uh, become fruitful and that God would have blessed everything that their hands touched. Pastor, what are you preaching tonight? I'm telling you that God has given us a most powerful opportunity in this hour to catch glimpses of his glory in the house of God as children of God. I was just reading tonight the prophet Jeremiah as he said to them, there's coming a day that the law that's been written on tablets of stone will be written in the flesh of your heart I'm going to do something special in your life I'm going to visit you like I did Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden my glory that was in that garden will dwell in your heart but Jesus also said this and John recorded it he that believeth on me as the scripture has said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water Why did he say that? Because his Holy Ghost in me is not just to be contained in me. There ought to be a river of life that's flowing out of me. The Holy Ghost is not for my enjoyment alone. I was not saved just so that I could tell everybody I'm saved. People want to know what the plan of salvation is, the new birth, the gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection. You know what it is? It's God restoring what was lost in the garden. 
It's God coming to us, restoring us. Everything that man messed up, you look at Babel. What did he do at Babel? He had to confound their language. Why did he choose tongues for us? Because it's a reversal of every decision that man has made. God have mercy. He's always working. My pastor, I'm too imperfect. God can't do anything with me. Listen, he's always working to fix things that I've messed up. And I guarantee you one thing, that what the enemy meant for evil, God means it for good. You may have made a few mistakes in your life, but you understand me when I tell you, there is nothing you have done that God cannot restore the power and the authority of his presence in your life. I'm reaching for somebody here tonight. I don't care if the whole world has checked you off and marked you off and said it's impossible. I've come to tell you tonight, it is possible for God to do great things in you. Well, so-and-so told me their opinion of me. Listen, I don't want to sound rude tonight, but you just tell so-and-so to suck up their opinion because I don't care. Opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got a couple and most of them stink. You hear what I'm telling you tonight? Nobody's opinion of you can change the image in which you were created. think I can be saved and they didn't shed their blood for your salvation Calvary's not just for the sinner Calvary is just as much for the naysayer that says there is no hope for you his blood now cleanses us from our sin Tried to take. I, 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 I didn't go as deep as I wanted to go with this tonight because I'm trying to. I, I'm trying to keep you from having to use floaties on this. But I'm saying to you this evening, very desperately in my spirit, I want you to understand that the trick that the enemy plays on us was to keep. Listen, God did not just give them the Garden of Eden so that they could enjoy the Garden of Eden. God gave them the Garden of Eden as a pattern of what the earth was to become. God did not just fill you with the Holy Ghost for you to enjoy the bliss of having his spirit he has given you this taste of heavenly things in your life so that you can let the world know there was something that happened to me in the garden and God made a difference in my life I was imperfect my life was a wreck I was upside down in a million pieces but something is happening beyond the garden I'm going to slow down. I'm going to get down here in school zone speed tonight with a few speed bumps, all right? So I need you to stay with me. I just want you to hang out with me right here for a little while. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to deal with you from what I believe is the heart of God, how he's been dealing with me. When I'm in here walking in this church and there's not a soul in here. Listen, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm in this sanctuary. Uh, not so that people can see or know that I'm in here. I'm in here because I want him in here every time we walk through the doors. I can't do this without him. Are you hearing what I, I, I don't know how to deal with people without the help of God. I don't know how to deal with broken people without the help of God. I don't, I don't know how to fix all that. I don't. I mean, some of these other cats, Pastor Perfect Church, if you listen to them. Man, I love y'all. But we're not perfect. Come on, somebody. Oh, I, I, I hear you. Well, he, I am. 
I know. Bible scholars know more than everybody. Just got it all together. It's all, it's all, that's all right. Let us imperfect people just gloat in the fact tonight. If it hadn't been for his mercy, we'd all be a wreck. So here comes speed bumps. We're just going to slow down a little bit. I don't want to scrape the bottom of the bus. You understand what I'm saying? So there is a tool that's still used. The, the devil, I, I wish we could understand this. He has no new tricks. He really don't. He has no new tricks. He does the same old thing all the time, over and over and over and over and over. And some of you act surprised when he gets you on it every time. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your hands tonight, but I'm telling you, there are very few people, if any, I would say, I would almost put a dollar bill on if I was a betting man, and I'm not, that there is nobody in here in the last six months that's fallen to a new kind of sin. Hey, this is not time for confessional, and I'm not getting in a little booth, okay? I'm going to tell you to go count beads because you're, you're, you just happen to be the one that really got bad. Listen, let, let, let me help you with something tonight. He uses the same old tricks. It's the same old junk. It's over and over and over and over and over. And if you believe that Lucifer was really just after Adam and Eve because he didn't like them and because uh, he had just a plan for them right there that he was going to corrupt them and mess them up, you lost your ever-loving mind. If that's true, he would have quit after they messed up. You know what his fear was, I believe? I believe his fear was what was happening in the garden was going to spill out and they were actually going to subdue the earth. That's what I believe. I believe they were afraid. That he was afraid that they were going to see themselves the way God saw them. So he says to them, well, you know, if you eat of that, if you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, there's something in that right there. I, 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 I don't have time for it. If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he says the Lord is afraid that, that, that you're going to become Elohim. You're going to become as gods. You're going to become a different kind. That can't, that can't happen. Because things celestial, things terrestrial, they're different. It's completely different. They, can, they cannot become Elohim because they are male and female. Boy, I wish I could preach that all over Capitol Hill. In this. You don't get to choose what species you are. See, th there's lessons in here we just got to get. I don't care if you do sew a kitty cat tail on the back of your britches. You're not a kitty cat. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I, 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 this is like, I mean, I just got, you know, I, I, I noticed like they don't want any gender. They don't want any, any gender or whatever. But a dude becomes a woman. They put, make a four-star admin. It's like, this is the first female four-star four admin. I'm like, no, you're not allowed to have females. There's these little commercials going around about, uh, it's, it's uh, tr training from Microsoft. I don't know if you've seen it. And when they introduce themselves, they say, hi, my name is Scott. Uh, I'm, I, I'm a male with a, with a beard, a blue shirt, khaki pants, and I identify as a he. 
Serious. They have to identify as a he, him, and the lady has to say, I'm a female, and I wear glasses, and I identify as a she, her. Yeah. Just so it's crystal clear, honey, your high voice and the way that you're built, like, that didn't give it away to us. We're, we're, we're picking up what you're putting down, she, her. But we, we got you. You don't get, you don't, you don't get to just eat fruit and say, whoa, I'm Elohim. I'm an angel. Yippee. No, it's a lie. It was a lie from the start. You cannot mess up creative order. God will not change his word for you, Adam. He's not, he's not going to happen. He's not going to change his word for you. Well, I don't like it. Well, too bad. I can't tell you the way my mama used to tell me. It was in private quarters, and I'm not going to tell you what she'd say, but she'd just say tough. It was tough. If you don't like it, tough. That's just tough. Mama, I don't, uh, uh, I'm going to talk about Jocelyn. Just, if I, I can't, you can't embarrass her. I don't know what I'm talking about. She come in there, and she's like, you don't know how bad I hate school. I was like, well, that's okay, sweetheart. You can quit. <laughs> I, I hate school. Okay, just quit now. We'll, we'll still love you, honey. You just, hey, daddy don't think it's fair for you to have to do something. Bless your heart. I sure hope you like stuff and tacos. That's about as good as it's going to get. And that job's about to get taken. You can't even, they, they can't even make drinks of fast food anymore. It goes, brum, 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 brum. Next thing you know, you look back here, it'll be robots. I will flip the burger. That's okay, baby. Don't go to school. Don't you? Hey. Daddy wants you to be happy. Mm. I'm just going to tell y'all right now. That's embellished somewhat. Because that's nothing like the conversation we had. It was more similar to, I don't care if you don't like school. Get in there right now and sit down and study for that test. Because you got a test coming up and it's time for you to do school. Well, God won't let me do what I want. God's mean to me. You know what? I don't know if there's any Bill Cosby fans in here. I know he had some. But back in the day, it was pretty funny, Brother McClain. When I was a boy, you guys lived, uh, was it 10th Street? 9th Street. We came over to your house, and Bill Cosby had that thing going, and Dad is great. Remember that? Give us some chocolate cake. Dad is great. Give us some chocolate cake. Yeah. And, and, and uh, he had this little thing going then. He said, I, to his kids, he said, I brought you in this world. Yeah, we had some comedy fans from the early 80s in here. I brought you into this world, and I'll take you out of this world. I, my, my kids need to know, me and your mama's the reason why you're here. And you need to know tonight, he's the reason why we're here. We, we don't get to pick it. I don't like the rules. I don't like the word. I don't, hey, I don't get to choose. It's his word. I don't expect preaching like that, that the producers of TBN will be calling me anytime soon to come preach. 
Well, if I don't like it, I'll just change the rules and call it doctrine. Then people will come. Well, kind of get that little spirit of the apostle on me every now and then, Bishop. It just kind of, just kind of happens. I can't help it. He said, I don't care if it's a man or an angel. Listen, if, it's, if there's any other gospel than that which we have preached unto you, let the man that's, listen, he didn't just say, he said, let the man that's preaching it. This ain't Pentecostal rhetoric. If there's any other gospel than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. I'm not going to go find me a cursed preacher so that I can do what I want and drink what I want and wear what I want and live like I want and sleep with who I want. I got to realize I was made in the image of God to reflect his image in the earth. That's what he created me to do. And the devil doesn't want me realizing who I am. He's still fighting the same old way. Gets them to start questioning the words so they'll question their identity. Did God say? You know, he's just afraid. He's just afraid that if you take that fruit, that you're going to be as gods. Ooh. I guess I got God in a corner now. He'll let me do what I want to do. Okay, we're just going to back this reel up for a second. I'm still in the slow-mo school zone. You don't back God in a corner. You don't manipulate God. You don't tell God what it's going to be and how it's going to be. Well, I mean, we're having results. Well, good for you, Moses. What, 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 What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you can't just look at results and say that that's a blessed person. The Lord told Moses, he said, speak to the rock. Moses got a little ticked off, so he hits it, you know? It's kind of loses it a little bit. Same water comes pouring out. Why? Because there were thirsty people, not because he was obedient. God's going to satisfy the thirsty people. Boy, I'm standing right out there on the edge of it. I might as well jump off. I'm going to tell you, it's going to surprise people. If God's using donkeys, he's probably going to use whores and whoremongers and all kinds of people to lead people to an altar of repentance. I know for you, get up and leave and discuss it. I've jumped off into false doctrine. I didn't say I'm going to let whores and whoremongers preach in the pulpit. I'm saying to you, God can find people anywhere, at any time, in any old gutter. I believe God can use a drunk man to send somebody back where they're supposed to be and tell them to get back to the house of God. I was never there for it. My, my, my papa used to tell me all the time about his older brother, Leon Tubby. And uh, he, Uncle Tubby's quite a fighter. I've talked about him several times through the years. But Uncle Tubby, liked, he liked to get a little nip. He, he, he liked that bottle. He was backslid. After the war, he never got right with, with God. And he, he liked to tip back and drink a little bit. So he'd go sit at the bar. And they would say, they, they, they'd say, Papa would tell me, that when old Uncle Tubby would get real good and sloshed in the bar, he'd stand up in the bar room and start preaching Acts 2.38. Never would preach behind the pulpit. But he'd get drunk as Cooter Brown, stand up and start there. You, you got to repent of your sins. I'm sure that was impressive. <laughs> got to repent of your sins. 
You baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if you look at me like that again, I'm going to knock your head off. What are you saying? Look, I don't know who was in them bar rooms. I don't have a clue. But I can tell you this. I, I, wish, I, had all, I wish I had all the, the specifics of the story. I got two different families here that could probably tell the story better than I can about, about the man that found the, uh, the track in the jungle in India. It was like, like some thousand plus miles away from Brother Sism. He just walking through the jungle, and there's a track there. Wow. Am, am I lying? Am I telling the truth? I'm hundreds of miles away in the jungle. He picks up this piece of paper walking on this jungle trail. It has Brother Sism's name and address. And he lived where? Where did Brother Sism live? New Delhi. And he's got the address in New Delhi in India. He comes knocking on the door, Brother Sism. He's like, is this you? Yeah, where'd you find that? And he told him, he's like, there's no way. Oh, well, I'm standing here with it in my hand. Hey, I'm going to tell you all something. You don't have to believe this. If you, if you don't, go find you a safe church. I'm going to tell you something. I still believe he'll appear to people in the middle of the night. I believe he'll wake them up from their sleep. I believe in the middle of Afghanistan. I, I don't care where it's at. I believe in the middle of Muslim nations. I believe in the middle of Africa, in where nobody that I believe he'll show up in the middle of the night and he'll let them know I created you in my image. I I want to be careful how I talk about this because I don't ever want to get anybody in trouble. But I, I have a, a dear friend that's a missionary over in the Middle Eastern areas, and he's been here. You all know him, precious man. And I was there preaching for him one time, and he, he, he began to tell me about some families from Syria that were in his church. And he said, uh, almost every one of them, it was like, I don't remember, three or four families at that time, seemed like, if I remember right. Uh, there, there were several families there in the church. He said, yeah, they're refugees from Syria. I said, well, how in the world did they find you? He said, well, they were at home one night and had been praying to Allah. But it wasn't Allah. They came walking into the house. They said, Jesus came in my house and told me to come to this city and that there would be a man here that could tell me the truth. And they would find it. Oh. There's something going on outside of the garden. So, what happens is, uh, I'm just going to lay this out on the table, get down here in Granny Gear and walk with you. I hope I don't offend anybody right now. But you are some of the most spoiled, rotten people in the whole wide world because we are Americans. You can be dismissed if you want to. We are absolutely spoiled, stinking, rotten. We, we are a mess, and, and, and we, th we think that God looks down on us different than he does the rest of his creation because we live in a republic. Well, he don't. 
He don't. I'm sorry. But he doesn't love you any more than he does a little begging child in the streets of India. <laughs> you can be seated. Y'all about to preach me to death right now. He don't care that we're American. Thank God. Thank God we're here. Thank God we can worship. Thank God some people are getting some sense and realizing this is still America. You better worship as long as you can. Come on, somebody. We got to work while it's yet day. We got to get after it. We'll keep on working. We'll keep on going. But here's the problem. The North American church has got issues that you don't hardly find anywhere else in the world. And none of them are spiritual, Bishop. It's all spoiled, rotten issues. You're preaching in PNG. How far did that, that brother you told me? There was one pastor. I'm probably messing this up. You said he walked like eight hours. A pastor? He's a pastor. Didn't even own a pair of shoes. And he walked eight hours to the place where Bishop was preaching. Are you, are you all? I'm talking about you could drive from here to Nashville and back home. He walked eight hours, Elder. You've seen it, I'm sure. I'm sure y'all have seen it happen. They walk. Well, my shoes aren't shining. Well, you got some. Well, I knew this was going to be tough from the get-go tonight. Well, if I could get me some new clothes, I'd, I'd go. Oh, no. Can, can I just be honest with you tonight? Let me speak on behalf of this church. Let me, okay? I'm a shepherd of the church. Let me speak on behalf of this church. If you don't think your clothes are right for the kind of people that go here, come on anyway. Just come on in here anyway. Pastor, I don't have any Pentecostal clothes. Get on in here, sweetheart. We love you. Come on in here. Let God talk to your heart. Let God deal with your life. Come on. I don't care if you wear an Armani suit. Get in here and love God with us. devil's trying to get you hung up on hang-ups. When you want to start getting involved, getting on the, we'll, we'll, we'll walk that road. We'll, get, we'll, we'll go as deep as we need to go. I want God to use you. Well, I, I, you know, pastor, I'm down from four packs a day to a pack a day. Praise the living God. I'm rejoicing with you tonight. Come on now. You're three, three quarters of a time better than you were last week. Thank God he's healing you. He's delivering you. He's setting you free. I made a mistake last week, Pastor. I picked up the bottle and I took another drink. All right. You made a mistake. It happened. Okay? It's over. You did it. Leave the bottle there. You're here tonight. You're sober. You're in your right mind. And God's talking to you right now. Let him work in your life. Well, so, so-and-so tried to come to me, Pastor, and tell me if I, if I didn't straighten this up, then, 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 then I, 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 I shouldn't be comfortable here. Then you tell them to come talk to me. I'll be more than happy to talk to them. You understand what I'm telling you? Because Jesus didn't just die for people in suits and white shirts and necktie. He died for people that have needles hanging out of their arm right now. 
But the problem is we're over here in the garden just enjoying the communion. over here in the garden oh i'm the best little pentecostal you've ever seen yeah we hear you patty patty who you talking i'm talking about old patty pentecost i'm talking about the brothers and sisters got it all together they've outran all of us that's all right we'll still have good church anyway i'm, I'm gonna tell y'all something tonight it's a dangerous place to be when we step out of our shoes as humanity and start looking at other fruit and try to change species. You don't, you don't have a right to put on the boots of Elohim. We're not going to step out of our shoes and step into the shoes of God and say, I'll be the judge of that. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to preach the word. We're going to let it fall on fertile soil. You know those tears that they're crying? They're tears of joy because they're not the same as they were yesterday. Let's let God work on them. Let's let God heal them. Let's let the Holy Ghost work. I know this don't make no sense to nobody. But I love church the most when the altar smells like cigarette smoke. I like it when the lobby smells like skunk weed because somebody just hit a bloke in the parking lot before they walked in. Come on now. Why? Because they don't have it all together. There's no drunks in the garden. It's perfect. God planted it. But he didn't tell them to subdue the garden. He said, dress it and keep it. Boy, if I could preach that for a while. You can't neglect the garden so you can go subdue something else either. That's free. I'm not even going to charge anybody for that. Dress it and keep it. Take care of where I put you. Be sure you keep it holy. Be sure you keep it right. Listen, don't go letting things in here that don't belong in here. Dress and keep the garden. But walk outside of the garden and start subduing the earth. Have dominion. Be fruitful and multiply in the earth. What are you saying, Pastor? Let me just break it down Gerber style. The church is the garden where he meets us. And we've got to get the gospel out of the garden and get it into the earth. We've got to get this glorious gospel out of the pulpit and get it in the street. You, you, you all know Brother Allard that preached here, my friend from California. I love him so much. I thank God for his friendship in my life. We have a camaraderie together. We, we're, we're both pilots. He's an incredible pilot, great preacher, just great man. But uh, he got this idea. I wish I'd, I wish I'd had it so he could steal it from me, but I may steal it from him. So if we do, just say, Pastor, that's the coolest thing you ever came up with. <laughs> so Brother Allard's a pilot. And... He's doing everything he can to get the church out of the church, you know? Get busy. So they, they started this Bible study at the airport. Of course, their airport's in a pretty busy area. And, and he called it the hangar project. Like, what's that? People that haven't been willing to come to their church. 
have been coming to the big airplane hangar at the airport, and they've been doing a Bible study in the hangar with the hangar project every week. Now, I'm just saying, Bishop, you get God and airplanes in the same room, I like them. Next thing we're going to see is a street of go. I can't even imagine getting to smell airplane gas and teach a Bible study. Somebody's got to get creative. Because we preach that harvest is coming to the garden. He planted the garden. The harvest is outside the garden. There's got to be something that happens beyond the garden. There's been excitement building in this church. Over the last couple of months, there's some people that got bold and brave. I mean, they made a big step of faith and they bought their first Bible study chart. I had a, had a man come to me that day. I, won't, I didn't get his permission. I'm going to say who he came to me. He said, I got me an HDMI cable. This is a new chart now. It's a new chart. He said, I got me an HDMI cable so I could hook my computer up to the big TV screen. Put my Bible study up there. He said, it starts this week. Hey, I'm going to tell you all something tonight. I don't care if it's on a screen, if you're flipping it on the tabletop. I don't care if you turn your iPad around, flip through the pages. We got to get beyond the garden. We, we got to get beyond the garden. But this is the part I like. He said, dress and keep the garden. Dress and keep it. He said, but outside of this garden, I've already, I've already foreordained it. You stay lined up with me, you'll subdue everything outside of this. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? When you're in alignment with the God of the garden, you start walking in dominion everywhere your feet go. What if they tell me no, then God will give you a yes from somebody else. What if they reject it, then God will give you somebody else that wants to hear it. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Oh, tonight, I was trying to prepare for this and I have no clue why my brain's wired music I don't know how my mom and dad didn't kill me when I was a kid and I, I'm, I'm boy I'm paying for it I beat on everything that looked like a drum sounded like a drum I turned the back of car seats into full drum sets and Jody's head my sister made a wonderful symbol Sounded a little hollow. I don't know why. But. I, started, I started talking to the Lord. You'll, 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 this will make more sense to you in just a minute. And uh, I was like, God, I, I don't really know where I'm going to end on this thing. There was an old song the Crab family did. And uh, it, it said, there's something going on in the graveyard. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to get this sermon out tonight. And, all, and all, I don't know why. Kim, all, all I can hear tonight is while I'm trying to preach. There's something going on in the graveyard like you ain't never seen. Saints are coming up from the ground. Oh, can't you hear them sing? 
with resurrection power and glory all around. There's something going on in the graveyard. The saints are heaven bound. I'm over here trying to preach, and I'm like, we got to get beyond the garden. we got to get beyond the garden. we got to get beyond the garden. And the Lord takes me to the most famous garden probably other than Eden in the Scripture because it's New Testament. I've been there. It's the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has nailed down this garden praying till his sweat became as great drops of blood. And he got down on his knees, and this is what he prayed in the garden. He said, Lord, if it's possible, then let it pass. But guess what happened? Some of y'all think he died on the cross. He didn't. He died in the garden. He killed his flesh in the garden. Now, I know his heart quit beating on the cross. But he killed everything in that garden that would keep him from laying down on that cross and dying. You want me to tell you why? Because you can't stay in the garden praying all the time. Sooner or later, you got to put your shoes on and say, all right, put the cross on here. I'm getting out of the garden. I'm getting beyond the garden. And there's something going to happen tonight. I'm about to put this crisscross beam on my back. I'll take the beating if I have to. I'll do whatever I got to do. Let the blood rush down my faith from the crown of thorns they put on me but if I stay in the garden there'll never be a resurrection the North American church has got to wake up and realize that there are people of every nation every tribe and every tongue that are waiting on somebody to get out of the garden I'm going to tell y'all you may not like this and it may sound counterproductive I don't care. This may not be the kind of vision you want to sit under, but I'm going to tell you something. We are not going to live the rest of my life with me pastoring this church and us hoarding everything that God sends us. Whenever a young person comes to me and says, Pastor, I feel like God's called me to be a missionary. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, let's get the money raised. Let's get it raised. I'll buy your plane ticket. We're going to get you out of here. I want you to go see it. I'm going to send you with somebody. I'm going to say, let's do it. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. We can't sit in a beautiful garden and expect the world to be saved. Somebody's going to have to go beyond the garden. What I'm about to say might sound ugly to some people. Me and my wife talk about this and close conversations sometimes you know sometimes what we're calling missions trips for kids they're like vacations overseas and, and, and I, I want them to see the good things of the world don't get me wrong I, I want them to they spend all this money they go on a missions trip go hang out at the Eiffel Tower go yeah I'm like oh good God Almighty I had one crepe under the Eiffel Tower and don't really care if I ever go back, let's be honest. <laughs> Understand me when I tell you. I thank God for every opportunity they've had. But I don't want to just make world travelers that want to see sights in the world. I want young people that when they come home from Africa and they come home from India and they come home from Israel that they can't get up off the carpet and their eyes are filled with tears and they're laying in bed at night saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Listen, we have taught people, and I understand you got to be responsible. I get that. But we have taught young people that the love of things so much that the first thing they start thinking about when they feel the call of God is, how am I going to afford to do it? 
I remember when I was a young preacher. This red-headed short preacher from southern Indiana came up. We became buddies pretty quick. And he said, bro, I'm getting ready to go to India. I'm like, what? That's cool because I'm getting ready to go to Anderson. I don't mean disrespect by this at all. I'm serious. We've laughed about it a lot. My papa went to him. He said, oh, dear God. Am I lying? He said, they don't want you in India. <laughs> oh, man, I just said, oh, man. They don't, they don't want you in India. And then he said, but I want to give you your first $100 bill. You know, you, you, you know, I'm just being honest, and please don't think I'm being disrespectful. I, I think we've come to the place that the enemy wants us to believe they don't want us anywhere. But I don't live my life in the will of God based on what somebody else don't want. Wherever there are beating hearts, there is a need for the gospel of Jesus Christ and people that will never be reached in the garden. I'm praying that God, I, I, I heard this this week, this is stunning. There may be a couple people that can help me with this. But I have a couple of friends that have been diving into this. They started looking through the UPC, the ALJC, WPF, which are all just apostolic organizations, different missions, programs, whatever. The best that we can tell in the three largest mainstream apostolic missions programs, Bishop, as of right now, in the whole wide world, there are only approximately 35 or so missionaries that are 40 and under. You know why? Because our kids love the garden. I'll never make $150,000 a year as a missionary. Probably not. But when you turn around and look behind you, I don't know how all that works. I don't know how God's going to let us see it. But in my mind, it's the way I imagine. Turn around and look. Here come all the Filipinos. Here come all the Indians. Here come all the Israelis. Come on, somebody. Here come all the Russians. Here come all the Norwegians. How'd you, how'd you make it? There was a boy that came from America. And I just happened to be passing by the little storefront. And I heard this noise. And when I walked in the room for the first time in my life, I'd never heard it in, in, in Scandinavia in all my life. But somebody told me, you must be born again. 
you do realize that our missionaries tonight, the Coveys that were just here a few months ago, brother and sister Covey, you do realize that that girl was lost and undone and went to work a summer job uh, in Norway. She went to work in Norway and just so happened to meet brother and sister Spear. Listen, I've been at brother and sister Spear. They, they never did have a big church in Norway. God's blessing them in Uganda right now. As of right now, brother Spear in the last uh, couple years has baptized over 2,000 people in Jesus' name. Sister Vanya Covey, Sister Vanya Covey is in the field today working as a missionary. She and her husband because of a man that left Chattanooga, Tennessee and said of all places to go, I don't know why, but we're going to go to Norway. I'm getting out of the garden of the American church and I'm going to go tell somebody. God opened our eyes to see. We're thankful for the garden, and we're going to dress it, and we're going to keep it. We're going to be sure that the garden is right, because I want everybody to know the power that's in this garden. But he didn't call me to subdue the garden. He called me to subdue the earth. So let me finish. I have no clue what time I started. I have no clue. I've probably been preaching 50 minutes. I want to tell you all something. When we have young married couples in the church that are still trying to figure out how faithful you can be, how unfaithful you can be, but still be faithful. How much, how much can I miss but still be a good and faithful servant? I feel you now, Bishop, as a hush comes across the crowd. You know why I'm not scared to lose people to plant churches in cities, to plant churches in other nations? You know why I'm not afraid? Because this ain't my garden. This ain't my garden. This is his garden. And for everything we send, he'll keep sending to us. I'm not worried about it. At all. But I wonder. I've been watching the last few months, really since COVID hit. And I, I am closing. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to wrap it up. There's a precious man. Sometimes he, he watches. He may be watching now. He's just getting up in the Philippines. It'd take me a long time to explain how. But this is, this is one that I, I, I kind of like to think of as. A great part of Bishop Bingham's legacy in, in, the, in the Philippines. Great, powerful man. He's a grown man now, obviously. He's several years older than me. He was a young preacher in the Philippines. And uh, been baptizing people. Oh, Brother Snow. Even during quarantine, all, just every week. In the ocean, rivers, all over the place. Been baptizing people in the precious name of Jesus. Uh, but yeah, 55-gallon drum, little old bitty people. Been getting them in there. Baptize them in Jesus' name. And all I could think about, and, and people would say whatever they want to say about it, whatever. You know, he, 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 he died an old man, and it wasn't really the way we wanted to see it go out. But Brother Carlos Grant, all I could think of, what would have happened if Brother Grant would have never went? I got, I got the book at home. 1955, 56. You weren't getting on 747 to go to the Philippines. 
That man got a family. The boat parks in Philippines. He walked off the boat. He said in the book, he walked out and his wife said, what are we going to do? He goes, I don't know. I guess we'll walk this way. He walked up and found this little place. And uh, somebody gave him a place to stay. He said, I'll get him a feeder in a few days and have a place to stay. Yeah, my place to stay. Right there it started. No money, no food, no house, no room, no nothing. But tonight, all over that country, there are people that were affected by a man who said, I'm going to throw caution to the wind. Don't do it unless you know it's the will of God. But when you know it's the will of God, you know it's not your problem. He'll provide. You heard me talk about Brother Allard earlier. You heard me talk about Brother Allard earlier. He, he, uh, his grandparents were missionaries to the Ivory Coast in Africa. And they, they got to pray and she had, to, had her two boys, which is Brother Brad Allard's dad and, and uncle. And uh, he, he may have told the story here, Bishop, but it, it just wrung my heart out when I talked to the elder. Brother and Sister Allard, they're in their early 80s now. Sister Allard got up and shared at the missions conference at Brother Brad's church. She said, the Lord told my husband we're going to Africa. She said, she looked at Elder Allard and she said, mm-mm. I'm not going. I got two boys. She got to feeling kind of bad, so she went in there and prayed that her spirit would get fixed a little bit, you know. I mean, that's a good thing to do if you fuss with your spouse. She got in there and got down on her knees. Elder, she started praying. She said, God, I do not want to go to the Ivory Coast. It's a Muslim area. I don't want to go. We won't have any fellowship. And I don't want to take my boys. And the Lord said, if your boys are going to be a problem, I can take care of that for you. She said, Lord, I'll go. Now her grandchildren, Pastor Brad Allers in Tracy, California. His sister is married to Brother Yuri Sanguenza in Norway. Her grandson's pastor and her, her granddaughter is a missionary's wife, pastoring in another country. Why? Because she said, Lord, I'm going to do something beyond the garden. I, I'm, I'm going to get out of this garden, and I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Listen, church family, I'm going to tell you, FPC, in my opinion, is one of the most beautiful gardens in the world. I thank God for this church. I'm being honest with you. I don't want to pastor anywhere else. I love this church. I thank God for you precious people. But just outside the four walls of this garden, this city is in a mess. They are still dropping drug addicts and homeless people off in Madison County because we're giving them free needles. I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, but tonight, Brother Lang and I met a family, have a little baby, stuck in their car, lost his job, hard times, started crying. He said, 
we're fine. We, 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 we can make it. He said, but I don't have any money. To, that little baby sitting in the back seat said, I don't have any money. He's got one pamper left. I don't have any money to get him something to eat. Now, I'm going to tell you all something tonight, okay? Hope this don't make you mad. Where'd Brother Tyler go? Where's he at? Come here, dude. My boy right here. This man. What a man of God. Got a servant's heart. Come here, buddy. Let me brag on you. This dude's got a servant's heart. He's never told me no once. I came out of my office and I handed Don't get upset. I handed him our church credit card. <gasps> I said, bro, take this card down to the gas station. Put some money in this people's car. Give them some gas. Take them down to the store. Get them some money and let them buy their family something to eat. Listen to what I'm telling you. We've got to get beyond the garden. We got to get beyond the garden. I thank God for our school. It's making the garden look beautiful. Marcy, come here, sweetheart. Come here. This is his wife. Marcy got her degree in education, a special kind of education. She could be making all kinds of money. I'd never embarrass y'all by telling her, telling you what the school's paying, Marcy. But we had a big picnic here at the church, and God been dealing with my wife. She said, babe, I think if we can just get the guts to sit down with Marcy and talk to her, I feel like God's really working. I feel like Marcy can help us teach in this school. She came to that meeting. This couple right here had already predetermined in their car. They just got married, bought a house. And they didn't say how much it's going to take for us to have it. They said, this is what we can get by on. And do you know that before they ever came to the office that day for that meeting, that God had already spoken the number that we could do to their hearts. He had spoken the number to their hearts. And this week, November the 1st, the first young family started in our school from outside of the garden. And they were in chapel with us this Friday. Those kids with their hands raised to the Lord and praying. Thank y'all. Listen. God. You know what? I, you, you keep standing. I'm done. You know what I said? I said, Brother Gray, I said, listen. I'm celebrating this chapel service today. Because I believe it's going to be just a few weeks. And I'm going to see their mom and dad with their hands raised like that downstairs. I believe we're going to see it. <laughs> Where's Tucker James? Tucker, where you at, Bubba? Where's Tucker? Come here, Big Daddy. Come here. Where's Griff? Where you at, Griff? Come here, Bub. Come here. I'm not going to pick on everybody. These two boys, listen. We got, we on week 10? We've been 10 weeks in school. Is that right? 13. Yeah, I'm on top of it. 13 weeks. Already got two of our students decided in chapel service they want to be baptized in Jesus' name. Both of these boys have been baptized in Jesus' name. I know this is going to make parents uncomfortable. I'm telling you right now. But I started praying and asking God. When, I, when, when my wife gave birth to our three, I said, God, I don't want them to go. Whatever you want to do with my kids, 
I'm going to tell you, Landon and Megan, I don't want him to leave us. But what if God's hand is on him? And this boy right here goes to a nation in a language that he can't even speak. Tucker's got to go to Tasmania if he goes anywhere. Be like the Tasmanian devil. Love you boys. I ain't never seen so much energy in my life. What if? I mean, really, Wes, what if? What if God's hands on you, son? What if you become an evangelist? I'm not calling you to anything. You know that, buddy. I would never do that. Eli? What if? Son, could you imagine? God just put his hand on your life and said, I saw a hunger in his heart. God. That's cool, Pastor, all these young people, but I'm too old. Oh, no. Because there's a world right outside the four walls of this church. I thank God. I thank God for China and India. I thank all these. I thank God for it. But what about your job? Wherever God's placed you. Thank God for these that are coming tonight. What if, Sister Carol, what if it's Craig, Colorado? Who's going to build a church in Craig? Podunkville in the mountains. But tonight, there's still a one God, Jesus name, apostolic church because somebody went. That's it, church. We got to go beyond the garden. beyond the garden yes I love it this is where God has planted me I've exhausted every resource in my life to be sure that I'm in the will of God and I can tell you beyond a doubt standing in this pulpit I am in the will of God in Anderson Indiana I have no no doubts at all I'm in the will of God but God didn't send me here to just fill this church up with people that are lovely Somebody's going to be a witness for Jesus. Jerusalem became the garden in the upper room. But Acts 1 and 8 said you're going to be endued with power. Brother Tony, beginning in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. We're going to get beyond the garden. We're going to go tell a Samaritan in Acts chapter 8. We're going to go tell a Gentile in Acts chapter 10. We're going to go tell John's disciples in Acts chapter 19. And then Paul's going to write letters to the Ephesians, to the Colossians, to the Romans, to the Galatians. Thank God that somebody left the garden and preached the word. Hallelujah. God bless these young people. God bless this church. I can't even imagine what God's going to do with that baby.
nothing that makes him more happy than being in the house of God. Jordan, imagine what God's going to do through your family.